0: Greetings on July the 30th on Wednesday of 2014. This is David Thompson, again coming to you to speak as the oracles of God by the Holy Spirit to the body of Christ and to all those who've been foreknown to hear this message. I do not prepare these messages. I do take a chapter which Often I receive by the casting of lots. And when one is walking in holiness and in purity before God, God in his sovereignty, knowing everything, including the fact that he is attached to every particle of existence in every dimension, leads to the right passage of Scripture. Sometimes I receive that through impressions by the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, whatever your view is, God uses the casting of lots to direct people in the Word of God. Today, I received a very simple passage, and I am sharing this passage very late at night after a more exhausting than normal day. But I'm trusting out of this very simple passage that there doesn't seem to be all that much in that the Holy Spirit will speak. And so, first of all, I want to read this passage of Scripture that I received today. <clears throat> this passage of Scripture is First Thessalonians chapter one. <clears throat> Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus down to the church of the Thessalonians. Christ, in the sight of God our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of man we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. And how ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Thus ends this chapter that I receive today. The thing that stands out to me more than anything else in this particular chapter is this statement in verse 4 that says, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Brothers and sisters, I have written a brief statement on this chapter after briefly meditating on it. It only took me 15 minutes or so. And I just basically stated what it's saying in this chapter in a summary, and it goes like this. We should be filled with thanks for those we are investing in for the kingdom of God in our prayers, with the awareness of their election of God and the work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope that they are revealing or have. We should not present the gospel merely in word to those we are reaching, but in power and in the Holy Ghost with much assurance. Those that we have led to Christ have turned from idols And wait for God's very Son from heaven, who the Father raised from the dead. They're waiting for the Son of God to return. We all need to understand the importance of our election of God and what that means. There are many that will try to teach false teachings on election that negate the responsibility of our own choice before God, saying that there's no need to try to reach the lost because God's already foreknown those that are going to be elected. That is a false teaching because it negates the responsibility of free choice. God created us with our own free will, because it is by virtue of free will that there is the capacity of genuine love. Genuine love is a freedom of expression that is totally self originating from one's being. That is why we cannot blame God for creating the devil or for our own wrong choices. Because we are our own creators. We are the source of our own action. And without that quality, there would not be the capacity for genuine love. Rather, we would be merely machine-like creatures. We wouldn't be truly living. We would be merely machine-like, even if we were biological. But the very essence of who God is, is love, for the Word of God says that God is love. Love is not only a quality in God that is self-expressing and that is reflected in us in the same way, but love In God is a quality that in a total liberty of self-origination always makes choices that are to the highest lasting good over any choices that would be less to a more immediate satisfaction or gratification. To make choices that are less than the highest good in our own life is to make choices that result eventually in that which is less for us, and in a direction of greater and greater disorder. The second law of thermodynamics, which is an observed phenomena in the whole of the known universe, is basically defined like this, that all things left unto themselves always tend to fall apart in the direction of greater chaos and disorder to the place of complete randomness and meaninglessness. That quality that is the opposite to that is love, the love of God. This love of God has an integrity that is so pure that there is no such a thing as a choice that is less than to the highest good, which is God himself. All choices are being made by God on To himself, who is the highest good, in the sense that his love, being totally free, is able, because of that quality, to be ever enlarging in creativity. But the foundation of that creativity is that this love has total purity and total integrity, so that there is no principle of corruption in it. It is a blazing fire of judgment against the slightest word, thought, or deed that is contrary to it. This aspect of the love of God is the negative aspect of the of God's being, so to speak, for sake of illustration. It is the defensive aspect of the love of God, which is the holiness of God which is the foundation for God to be totally enlarging and going on in eternity without end and greater and greater enlargement of creativity and fulfillment. And every moment is totally fulfilling in God. For God is the very source of total completeness because he is holy. It is out of holiness that issues wholeness or completeness of total fulfillment and meaning and purpose, with not a slight ounce of corruption in it. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And the other verse says, that every perfect and every good gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no shadow nor variableness of turning. Yes, it is the fact that God's love is perfect that is the foundation that holds the very source of life and is the very container of unlimited power and unlimited life that can be contained without dissipation or corruption. It is that quality of the being of God. And of course, out of the wholeness of God, which is from the foundation of His holiness, issues the beauty of God. And no doubt, God is far more beautiful than you can possibly fathom, for he is the very source of love and of all that is creative and beautiful. And we see the beauty and fulfillment of what he has made in creation, which reflects this wholeness. But because we have free will, there is the choice that we can make to be cut off from the life source, which is in this foundation of ultimate perfect love, who God is. And when we make a choice of our own free will to rebel against God, then there begins the principle of corruption in us. It began with Satan. And when that principle of corruption came into Satan, there was, as it were, a vacuum in him that was lacking wholeness. And that vacuum he was trying to fulfill and grasp in his own self, but it became destructive like a black hole in outer space around which it pulls everything in in a destructive way. A fist of rebellion against a God of such incredible love. But a God that has such incredible love demands holiness, is a God of judgment, And to teach anything less is to teach a deception that leads into the false teaching of universalism that says that eventually even the devil himself will be saved and all people will be saved. The problem with that is that violates the integrity of love. That implies that God can be buddy-buddies with Evil. The moment you condone evil, you have corruption in yourself. And that is what happened and has happened to so many. Now, we're back to this theme on election because we built a foundation of understanding. Because election involves free will and free choice. It says in the word of God that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so we see in this chapter that the gospel was preached not only in word but in power and in the Holy Ghost with much assurance to those that were worshiping idols. And they made a choice when they heard the good news of the gospel to turn from darkness to the very source of light and life and to receive this awesomely beautiful, glorious message of a God of such amazing love of the very source that is ultimately trustworthy, that is ultimately able to give total lasting meaning and hope to people's lives. Abraham is another example of someone that turned from idols to the living God. His family were idolaters that worshipped idols, the moon god, which I believe is issuing from the original rebellion in Cain. You see, Cain lost sight of who God was because maybe he became bitter at the consequences of the holiness of God with the curse and with suffering around him. And so he withdrew from God and began to perceive him as an enigma, as someone that he couldn't fully know or trust. And he saw that God was holy and demanding, but he lost sight due to the offense from the consequences of the holiness of God, of the goodness that was behind the holiness of God that required that. For if God was not fully holy. He could not be trustworthy to contain unlimited life and power. To contain, therefore, goodness. And so offense begins when things happen in our lives as individuals that seem to speak of God as the source of the injustice in our own understanding. Even Christ cried out on the cross, My God, my God, Why hast thou forsaken me? But he did not cry out that question out of doubt and unbelief. But out of releasing his burden, he never lost his spirit of faith and trust unto the Father. For he said, Father, I commend my spirit unto you. So though he experienced the judgment of God being absorbed upon himself for our sins, he still had faith in the Father. His spirit was always in a state of faith, a state of selflessness, for boasting is excluded by the law, a reaching out of an open hand as opposed to a fist of rebellion. That open hand representing a state of total purity. Yes, it says in Romans 5.1, pardon me, Romans 1, 4, that Christ rose from the dead by the spirit of holiness and his spirit of faith was in a state of purity, of trust, without rebellion. It was a spirit of holiness that was in that state of faith. In that state of his spirit of faith. So this is because he is God and God cannot be divided, for there is only one God, not three gods. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. He governs beyond time and space as the Father, as the originator that sees the end from the beginning, and must be a person in that aspect as the Father in government. He governs in the time and space realm of his creation, which is the expression of the Father into time and space. For it says in Hebrews 1 that the Son is the full expression of the Father. And he must be a person in the time and space realm in order to govern in that realm, in order to relate to the creation as well. And he fills all existence with his Holy Spirit in personage as well that carries the omnipresence of the Father and the Son of God's government. And so it is important to understand that in regards to election, because the father is the one that sees the end from the beginning. And so we must recognize that when people make a choice to respond to the gospel, and when you made your choice, God foreknew that you would make that choice. He foreknew what you would choose of your own free volition. It wasn't like you were violating your will and somehow mysteriously drawn unto God and that God, and it would seem to indicate that some people can easily fall into that deception when they read Romans 9, where it says, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And that God knew before they came out of the womb. But what did God know? He knew the choices they would make. He wasn't violating their choices and saying, Oh, I'll pick this one. We are all given the opportunity to choose. But God does know and does predestinate and pre-mark our paths with things that bring people to the place of conversion. So what about the tragedy of a large earthquake, which we've seen? And there's believers that have died in earthquakes. Why would God allow that to happen to a believer? Well, I can give you some examples. In the one case, in that earthquake in Haiti, there was a believer that died. We don't know why God allowed him to die in that earthquake. In one scenario, maybe what happened was the person is trapped under the building and they're trapped there for weeks and they come to the place where maybe because as a believer they're backslidden, they say, Lord, if you get me out of here, I'll serve you the rest of my life. And God miraculously delivers them. And in another case, the person is killed. Maybe because God knows that the way that that stone is to be formed for the eternity in heaven to make this beautiful mosaic with all the other stones is made at just the right state to be with him in heaven and fit in with that wonderful, glorious family in heaven. And that they have finished their course. John the Baptist was acknowledged as greater than Elijah, who was delivered from many things, and yet Christ acknowledged John the Baptist as greater. And yet his life was cut short, it would seem, by being beheaded. Didn't mean he was less. There was another believer in the Haitian earthquake that experienced an angel coming to him, and he was under the rubble without food or water, for I believe it was over a month. I think it was seven weeks, something like that. It was reported. It's quite amazing. And there was a person that came to him in white garment, feeding him and giving him water. In all of those circumstances, God has a purpose. Is God the source of evil? Is he the source of earthquakes? No, all of these are the consequences of choices being made to cut and to rebel against the holiness of God so that we are cut off from the life source and there's destructive principles that reverberate and result in the need for people's priorities to be shaken because they've made the God of this world and the material things of this world their priorities, and no doubt on earthquakes, those priorities are greatly shaken, and the judgment has the result of turning many people to God. It may harden others, People make a choice through the pressures that bring them to the place where they're at the end of themselves to either turn to the truth like the prodigal son or to harden themselves and shake their fist at God and choose to follow the devil. And So we know that in the last days, multitudes of people will be worshipers of Satan because they will think more of the delusions of this life and of worshiping the gods of materialism that the enemy will offer them if they will just but bow down to him, than trusting God to meet their needs. We need to recognize the importance in our lives personally of God's sovereign work to mold us and to make us and to conform us to his image, to be part of his eternal inheritance, which will go on forever in greater realms of creativity that are ever enlarging and expanding in heaven. Therefore, The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared for the glory that shall be revealed in those that have faith through all the trials that God allows in their lives. It was said to the church of Smyrna, the devil shall try some of you and you will have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death and I, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. We need to recognize the importance that God's hand is in our life, that we are elected of God, if we are responding to the gospel. And once we respond, the importance of continuing in it and growing in it through the fear of God. And I emphasize the fear of God, because that is a message God has called me to preach, as well as others. That is the message that will be preached in the last days just before the coming of Christ, as it indicates in Revelations, chapter 14, where it mentions three angels, and the first one says, And I saw another angel in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach. And he cried with a loud voice, saying, Fear God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth, and the sea and the fountains of waters. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon, Babylon has fallen that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And a third angel followed them, saying, If any man worship the beast in his image, receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. So we need to recognize... That we're in a time period where the gospel and the harvest is being brought forth as never before. But we see that things are becoming fragile and the world is becoming violent. And the sons of darkness are becoming more mature and more unashamed. The wheat and the tare are maturing. And in the end, the angels will reap the final harvest that man could not reap himself to bring those into the kingdom of God. And we're living in that time when the present world order will be burned with fire. That which sits on the multitudes, which are peoples and multitudes and nations, the systems of democracy that have become corrupt with immoral that they are forcing on the majorities that do not want it. That destroy the family unit, that are destructive, that are corrupt, that are contrary to government unto life, which is ultimately in God, who is love, the very source of government. And his purpose is to bring forth a corporate bride from every background that comes into such a unity and such a love for God and each other, that they are a testimony throughout creation as time goes on of the manifold wisdom of God, as it says in Ephesians, that he could put together such an amazing beauty of his creation in a corporate bride that he can inhabit. They will go on expanding in creative expression and government of God's creation of his universe. There will be many that will choose the wrong path. For Christ says, many will come on my name saying, have we not cast out devils in your name? Have we not prophesied? And he will say unto them, depart from me, for I never knew you. And there are many places in the world, not in the United States so much, but other places where people can call themselves Christians and yet they're corrupt and they'll steal and they'll lie and they'll go to church. There are places like that in the world. And there are people with ministries that started out pure and ended up being caught up with pride like Satan and allowing people to put them on a pedestal and building their own kingdom. They started out, but ended up with motives that were self-seeking. Because like Satan, they began to focus on the gift more than the giver. And when you focus on the gift, it's related to yourself. Therefore, you're first focusing on yourself and in a sense, putting yourself in the place of God. It is the fear of God that keeps us in the place of humility. It is when we recognize the holiness of God and His judgments and are in utter awe before Him, even if He allows the worst trials in our life, we have an attitude like Job and like Jeremiah to say, though you slay me, I will trust you. Like Christ who trusted the Father on the cross and never lost faith. And when we do that, we can enter into the fullness of what God is seeking to do in our lives, for he has elected us to come to conformity to his Son, to be a fully refined diamond or a stone of beauty before him, to fit into that new Jerusalem that he is building that is part of his ultimate corporate purpose this is what I believe we as believers need to do. We need to come to the place of knowing the power of God in our lives, of having much assurance of faith, not just the words, but the power and the demonstration of the Spirit because we choose the holiness of God over our own ways. We choose to delight in the holiness of God. It says, give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. It is the choice to acknowledge God for who he is in his holiness that is the foundation from which there is the transcendence of his love and mercy and grace. And it's when we see God in those two aspects, the negative and the positive, as it were, the ultimate negative and positive of the universe, that we are making a choice to fear God and therefore to dwell in the secret place of the Most High for the secret of the Lord is with those that fear Him and it is those that humble themselves under the mighty hand of God that receive the grace of God therefore draw nigh to God by humbling yourself under His mighty hand that He may raise you up in liberty to show forth the gospel and see many around you that are worshiping the idols of amusement and of materialism and whatever other idols and false gods there are, like the god of Cain, which only could see a demanding god, which is like the moon god that Abraham and his family were worshiping. But Abraham saw through it, and he recognized that this moon god was not the true god. It was the god of one's own rebellion, a wrong conception of God, a God that cannot assure mercy, is a God that cannot assure destiny, is a God that cannot bring election and purpose. It is a wrong concept of God. On the one hand, there's the wrong concept of God, who violates the integrity of his love with compromise and embraces all religions On the other hand, there's the false God. That is a God that is demanding submission without any understanding of his goodness and mercy. Which is this moon God that Abraham and his family worship. But Abraham saw the emptiness of it and cried out to God. And God spoke to him and drew him out of idolatry into a relationship with him. Because God for you those that would choose to desire the truth more than the emptiness of a life in rebellion. May we be those that find our completeness in the holiness of God out of a choice to recognize His holiness and His mercy, which is the choice to fear God to rightly recognize God is ultimately trustworthy through every circumstance. May God bless all of those that hear this message. He is calling his church in this hour to repent and come forth to be his bride, to give up self-control and all the things that are our own shells and own makings that limit God. I will not share more of this is. All I will share in this message. Thank you for listening to this message. And I look forward to continuing to share the good news with you.